0: Welcome to Just Dad's Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Hey, what's up? This is Just Dad Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with
1: my friend Matt.
0: How's it going, buddy? How are you today? It's going good. Yeah. Um
1: just uh reading some well a <laughs> so little reading to you do. Read? I didn't read anything.
0: Uh <laughs> I, but I did I did get a taste of whimsy in my afternoon is what happened to me. Uh, we uh checked out whatever I could get a hold of of uh, Three time Caldecott winner, David Weissner, is an American illustrator and writer of children's books. Uh, so I didn't know much about David Weissner before this, but the second I opened up even a single one of these books, I was like, I've, there is deep nostalgia in these pages. Uh, so I don't even know if it's actually his stuff, but his art style feels like 90s children's books to me like stuff i would have read in grade school
1: yeah it's like um yeah it's really hard to describe exactly what it is about his stuff it's like it does call back to a time of sitting in the library in a circle and and just watching your librarian flip through pages Uh and it's like but it's it's more so this is the wild part about his stuff cuz we're just going to dive right in yeah, i guess yeah, yeah. but um, essentially the wild wild thing about it is like when you think of those memories of getting doctor seuss read to you mm-hmm. or whatever right mm-hmm. you don't remember the words on the page so right. it's like it's almost like it's like a pseudo nostalgia thing that's happening when you yeah. read these because it's there aren't any words on yeah, the page in exactly. a lot of cases and you're and you're basically just recalling these like images almost it's they're very uh, it brings up a very like uh, clear picture yeah. of your past, even though you may have never read it. It's almost like a Mandela effect.
0: <laughs> it's exactly. crazy. So uh, we did read the three Caldecott winning books, which is Tuesday mm-hmm. from 1991, The Three mm-hmm. Pigs from 2001, and Flotsam from 2006. We also re- read Two of the Runner Ups. So, no, nominated for Caldecott's Sector 7 from 1999 and Mr. Waffles from 2013. Mm. And then we I, also... I read it. Hold
1: on. I read it as Mr. Waffles. Mr.
0: Waffles. <laughs> and then uh, we also happened to get our hands on 2010's Art and Max. And I made a point to... I read these in uh, release order. I wanted to, like, feel how oh. David went through the ages. Uh So, I started with Tuesday, ended on Mr. Waffles. And... Uh, So, yeah, these books are illustration forward, big, full page, uh, just huge, very detailed illustrations. Obviously, EJ and I are coming off the back of having checked out a bunch of stuff by John Klassen recently. and, And the notable thing I would say with John Klassen is there's a very distinct style and a huge use of like dead, empty space. Like circle, triangle, and square are just like a square (laughs) and whiteness behind it. Just like nothing else is there on the page. And this, it could not be more the opposite of that. This is (laughs) just filled with paint and drawing and art
1: <laughs> that's exactly yeah it's it's literally the polar opposite except for what's cool is in the three pigs i know you've read these in chron- chronological order what's funny is you handed them to me in reverse chronological oh, order and i didn't notice until just now but i read them backwards <laughs> so because uh, you were like oh i read them forwards and yeah. then i looked and i was like oh i literally that's read these in me. reverse yeah. order that's funny so um so but yeah uh It it actually makes it hit a lot harder, though, in these books, like The Three Pigs. Like, when I got to The Three Pigs, Mm -hmm. I thought it hit a lot harder when there was a ton of negative space because he doesn't use it a lot. And so, like, when there's those pages
0: of them flying around, I was like, yeah, this is incredible. So, uh, the overall theme, I would say, of all of his works, and two of them sort of stand out as separate. Uh, I would say The Three Pigs and Art and Max feel a little bit different, but the other four very much felt all in the same way, which is this. Take some average thing and add a spice of whimsy to it. The best example of this is like, Mr. Waffles is about, uh, I would assume, David Weissner's own cat. I mean, there's a there's a picture in the back of the book like of the same cat that he's been illustrating. And Mr. Waffles looks like David Weissner saw his cat looking underneath a dresser at something, had no idea what, The cat was looking at and decided to write a a whimsical story about what are cats looking at when they get so focused in on something. And in this case, it's a a ship full of aliens that are trying to find their way home. And the cat is just chasing these little cute aliens and the aliens have to team up with all of the like ants and other bugs Mm -hmm. in the house to uh, (laughs) escape the grasp of this. Uh, this cat and in, in leaving the world behind, the ants gain some of their knowledge and like hieroglyphs underneath. It's just all very abstracted. The whole story is told with speech bubbles in the alien language so there's not like a single line of dialogue except for like three instances of like a Charlie Brown person, a, a headless being. Mm-hmm. You see the links of just being like, what are you doing, Mr. Waffles? Are you having yep. a good time? And then back to alien dialogue. But like all of David's books are that same idea of like, what if, you know, wh- where uh, uh, another good example is Sector Seven. Yeah. The clouds. But now he's come Ooh. up with this idea of the clouds is a, a corporation that makes clouds. Yeah. There's a big company <laughs> in the sky that creates the clouds for us. And let's well, just do it. We
1: got to have standard clouds. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and there's a there's series. It's got to be
1: standardization of clouds. <laughs>
0: there's a series of paintings, basically, that just showcase this sort of story of like, what if. What if this thing happened? This kid floats up into the clouds and decides, Mm -hmm. I want my clouds to look more like fish and dinosaurs and all this crazy stuff rather than just, you know, cubulonimbus clouds or whatever. (laughs) Uh, And and he really sends a rift through the cloud industry uh, or what have you. So it's just these very, very fantastical, illustrated, like, they're barely stories. Like, I mean, they are stories, obviously, but what I mean is they feel more like just this experience you have with a set of paintings. Weisner reminds
1: me of, and you, I know you'll know this feeling well, Matt, but when you were in college and you would have to, because it was a requirement for one of your classes, (laughs) go watch like some, like, Like six six acts put on by uh, in a black box theater, right? Like that's a lot of what I feel like. (laughs) Like I feel like Weisner is doing in these books. It's like these are these are separate. These are separate tales that mm-hmm. you're going to be told. And like some of them are really uh, are, you know, in uh, when you're at these black box events, they're often their takes on stories you already know. Yeah. Like the three pigs or they're these completely absurdist. Right. <laughs> like inner monologues. that happen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like in uh, in uh, t- uh, Tuesday. Yes. Like, Tuesday is like this. Uh, oh, man. Tuesday is like this. Tuesday's the funniest wild.
0: one to start with because yeah. it is just Tuesday's n- I would say the furthest abstracted from, like, what if this twist on a thing? This is mm-hmm. literally just what if all the lily pads and frogs could fly for a day? Like, on this random yeah. Tuesday, all of the frogs started flying around. That's it. That's the entire book. Yep. It's just like, oh, look at the crazy antics these frogs are getting up to. And then that nuts? Dude, love them. The end. Bye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he does get out like Klassen. Like, Klassen's just like, yo, that was the end of the book. I'm out now yeah. and like i like how Wisner also just gets out the book like right. he's like all right this is uh yeah, the end of my stay in Gotta this go. book. But uh, I will say reading them in reverse order, um, it didn't feel like a de-evolution. Yeah, I think this is yeah. why maybe I had a different experience now right. is because it felt like an evolution into something more
0: yeah, <laughs> abstract.
1: Yeah. But, whereas you probably had something where it was like, oh, he's coming back down to Earth yes. as he gets older. It was. I mean, so, it
0: definitely felt like things were getting less and less abstracted. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it uh, just to kind of keep going through them. So Tuesday's that first one. It's just literally frogs flying around. Sector 7 mm-hmm. is like this crazy You know cloud thing three pigs is where he starts actually writing a bunch of dialogue, but it is a retelling of the three pigs essentially if the three pigs realized they were in a storybook and could step outside of it thus. Ending the book, like the sequences really, of the book, can no longer happen, and then go inside other books and pull those characters out of that book and bring them into their book. It gets really uh abstract.
1: Really showcases his talent as an illustrator. Yeah, I think that yeah. book does because there there are several illustration styles going on in that, and uh, I it just absolutely nails it. I mean, you can see why that one won a Caldecott.
0: Yeah, uh, Tuesday's a little less like clear why that one's a Caldecott winner, well, but. It's interesting <laughs> though, especially if you think about. Um, I think this time the reason the reason I think because I w- the whole time I was thinking like why is why are these getting caldecotts like what what is right. what is so specifically unique about this and I don't know this I, I I don't know enough historically about picture books and all this but for the nineties it seems like it might be very unique to have these wordless picture books completely wordless like Tuesday has no words in it at all and you still get to just like generate a story i mean it's in the same way that just like a comic strip would or just comic yeah. you know but it is it's that so i took a i took a class in college called uh illustrated narrative because it was the idea yeah. of like graphic novels but also comics but also like we studied memes in that class we just studied like the <laughs> art of memes because that was sort of a budding uh-huh. thing at the time but right. tuesday uh is such an interesting example of that because it's like these pictures are just there to sequentially tell a story. Uh, the, the, it is frequently used. I'm reading this just off of its Wikipedia. But Tuesday is a book frequently used as part of the autism diagnostic observation schedule where the person is asked to make a story out of it. Like it, it, it is a way to conjure imagination. Wow from kids and to convince them to just tell you what the story is and the kids get to just sort of look at a picture and and decide it means what they want to mean i think that's just like a wholly unique thing for this time period i think this is like the budding of this sort of abstracted children's book
1: yeah i guess i never thought of it that way no that's that's really interesting yeah because i i think the biggest thing is is it's a very uh it's very, it's a very innate thing, right. Uh, for humans to, to tell stories. So being able to assign, uh, images, uh, to folks who can't uh, necessarily process that sort of, uh, imagination and then for them to be able to imagine a story along with it is, uh, actually quite powerful. So yeah, I, I, I didn't actually think of it in that way, but, um,
0: Wow, that's I hadn't fully thought of it either, but what I think is kind of cool is when we get to the book Flotsam, which I thought I was gonna not be into, it's it's got a big fish on the cover. But I think Weissner almost calls attention to his own sort of mission. The thing mm-hmm. we haven't said about Weissner is Weissner was a, just a children's book illustrator throughout like all of the 80s, was just illustrating other people's books, similar to like yeah. class and, you know, wants to do his own stuff eventually, but it's just illustrating other people's books. And I think he just started to get ideas of like what he thought picture books could, could do. And Flotsam is like a direct translation of that. Flotsam is about this kid who finds a weird, freaky little camera on the beach. It washes ashore and they get the pictures processed. And it's all of these crazy, beautiful, like, oh my gosh, all of the things happening in the ocean. Just, like, really imagine of whatever. Just, like, crazy monsters and actually their mermaids are real and, and all this fantastical stuff. And at the very end, there's a picture of a kid holding up a picture of a different kid holding up a picture of a different kid, and it just goes on and on and on and And on and on. He looks
1: through a microscope. And And he
0: looks through a a magnifying glass and he looks through a microscope to see the very, 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 very first picture that this, Mm -hmm. the idea being this camera's been passed along. Oh, it's just been flotsam. It's been flotsam in the ocean. Flotsam in the ocean that just keeps washing ashore. And so he takes a picture of himself with the picture of all the pictures of kids, of kids, of kids, of kids, of kids. And he puts it in the camera and he tosses it back into the sea for someone else to find. But like connect that to this Tuesday thing of like, make, make it your own story. Like make the story what you will of it, you know, find the sort of adventure in these things that sort of exists. I don't know. It's, I, I'm now getting why these are medalists because they're more interesting to talk about as like a New York times reader than like, they even are like sitting down reading. I was like, oh, that's, that's fun and cute. But you don't think about like the impression that has on a kid and how re- how re readable that is. You know, you could just sit yeah, there I, as a kid and just like look at all of the flotsam pages for hours because there's just so much detail going on. It's like uh, it's like a where's Waldo <laughs> situation. You
1: would read flotsam or you would look at flotsam yeah. <laughs> uh, differently, possibly like if even if you read looked at it five 10 different times right. because it's just like there might be something you missed i mean because yeah. a lot of it is you're just like man i'm studying these pictures but you're mostly just trying to keep the flow of the book yeah going you know and and it still is able to communicate an entire story whether you you use it like a flip book or right. if you spend you know every single you know pour over every inch of the page so yeah. Uh, and that's kind of why I was wondering if these were even really children's books for I a know. while. I was like, I, like I told you before yeah. we started recording, I was like, well, I, uh, this is like something you would see at an art gallery yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, right. it, it's like, uh, I remember one of the first books, my mom stole a book once I'm going to tell, I'm telling on you mom. Um, but, um. <laughs> Uh, my mom stole a book once from from somewhere and, uh, <laughs> like off of a coffee table, essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was, uh, it was Banksy. It was just a bunch just of the Banksy. Banks.
0: Hey, that's pretty apt, I feel
1: like. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. It was like, you know, maybe in a coffee shop or wherever, right? And so, uh, she brought it home, but I just remember being really fascinated, you know, by, um, you know, just this book of art where yeah. you could just like kind of flip through the pages, and it kind of tells a story. Obviously, right. in that in that instance, it was there were also words on the page, but mm-hmm. but the 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 ability to just you know appreciate the art, but also be communicated exactly what the artist is intending you right. to to receive, or or in in some of these cases like Tuesday and Sector Seven and really you could say even art and max and mr waffles all of those you know to interpret maybe something beyond that as well like you know to have a a different interpretation maybe. so it's a it's
0: it's a story that lingers with you basically for some unexplainable reason right like you're just like i can't stop thinking about these ding dang frogs like they're just trapped in my head (laughs) because i don't know why they captivated me (laughs) yeah
1: there's a panel in the frog book that just like gets like i think about it and i laugh because it's it's so good it's a it's just a singular panel of a frog just enjoying his time right it's the three panels he's having a great time he you see he sees something and he starts to pull up uh-huh. and then you realize it's a dog and he starts flying the other direction and that's all I like I can only think Good. about that yeah but that's like my callback to Tuesday is just like I'm like oh man that that one page is yeah. is incredible
0: yeah so it's like I came away from the class in books like way more excited about john class and and those those styles i laughed so much at those and just yeah. like oh i want to i want to reread those with with my with my daughter or, or with just kids in general but the thing i think about with david weissner's stuff that that is trickier is so um molly and i have been going to our our library's um toddler story time uh most weeks when we can so every every friday we go uh to a story time and there's these two awesome uh librarians there that you know it's your standard stuff they sing the dance then they read a couple books but the thing I've noticed is sometimes their choices of books to read is so interesting because it has nothing to do with being a good book to read and I think about these being a good examples of that of like sit with me EJ and picture how does a librarian hold up the book Tuesday and read it to to a group of toddlers like how does that even happen what does that look like let's let's play an yeah. let's let's do a little improv scene and I'll be the, the I'll be the librarian and you be a 2 okay. year a three-year-old child uh, I open up the first page there's no mm. words on it I look and oh. I go um Ooh, whoa, look at these little frogs. What's going <laughs> oh. on? Do you, do you see the frogs? Do you want to see them closer? Uh-huh. That's funny. Uh-huh. All right, let's turn the page. Okay, oh, oh they're flying. Oh, the whoa. frogs are flying. This is all you do. Like, there's no reading. You, the only way to experience this book is to actively... Experience yeah. it with a kid. It's not like huh. I'm the presenter that has to read it to you. It's like we yeah. both have to, I have to, either I have to just set it in front of you and let you read it and mm-hmm. experience it, or we have to sort of read each other's emotions and come up with what. <laughs> We want it to mean this time and maybe next week we read the same book, but we decide to do it a completely different way. Like we just come up with a new method of sort of interpreting these. It's just the craziest idea to me to, to just like, how do you interpret in a storybook setting, in a library setting, how do you interpret absolutely no words on the page i don't know it's it's kind of fascinating to me
1: and yet all of these books are so enigmatic Mm -hmm. because they transcend that right they can be they can be presented in a way where it's just like ooh, yeah uh," or they could you could (laughs) there's really some like some really interesting deep stuff going on i don't even get into the fact that there's like there's like some metaphysical stuff going on in these books where you're just like where like i mean first off he has a quite the fascination with aliens, you know, they appear in multiple books. Um, but just like, there's just a lot of just like transcending reality, um, that, that goes on in these books, but, but not even just to a a basic level, in my opinion, I think that like some of the stuff that gets introduced in sector seven and in flotsam and even in, even in Mr. Waffles where you're just like, I'm just like, now this is, yeah. there's like a lot of like subtext that you could read in these books right. that is like kind of mind blowing yeah. that, that it could be for really like even up to like a 12 year old sure. reading level, like a 12 year old could pull this book off the shelf
0: and enjoy well, it. Well, like, like you said, I mean, this is, you, you could literally take these books and take every page and blow it up a little bit and put it in an art gallery and tell yeah. someone start here and walk mm-hmm. around the room. And just yeah. experience the the story of each of these panels just in this room. Like the, these books would perfectly match that experience. And like you're saying, like a 12-year-old yeah. could just decide to have a new interpretation of that. Um, we haven't talked about Art and Max at all. And Art and, Art and Max feels like a conversation with that point. <sighs> because Art and Max is the one with by far, I would say, the most relevant dialogue. Three Little Pigs, or The Three Pigs has sort of dialogue, but it's sort of just like... You watching them be like, "Hey, come over here." Okay, let's go this way. Hey, get out of the way. It's mostly them trying to escape right. dialogue, right? It's not, yeah, it's that's them true.
1: Getting away from right. from that, you know. It's almost like a commentary. That book, just real quick, uh, is mostly a commentary on Wisner trying to get away from that right. kind of stuff. Exactly, you know. And that's, I think, that's really again, if you want to try he's, to read it at a higher level, that's what sure. it's about. Yeah, he's pushing
0: back on the right. idea of like the three little pigs sat right. down. Like he doesn't want the librarian. To do that, because right. then the kid tunes out, right? Like that's that, right. I find myself doing that with Molly. Is like if we're reading a book, you know, little blue truck went down the road, doobly 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 do. Like we do all the <laughs> rhythms of a storybook, and right. we don't actually get into it. But when she does get into it, is when we go, oh, what's that over there? Is that the cow? Yeah. What does the cow say? Let's do. It. We have this book right now that Molly is obsessed with, and and she just calls it the Bunny Book. It's Bunny Book, uh, and uh-huh. in it is it's one of those books you can see through, like they've cut, it's a cardboard book and you can see through holes in the pages Mm -hmm. and looking into next ones. And the whole thing is like, where's the bunny? And like, you could be reading this sort of dialogue on the pages, like, where's bunny? But we never do because all we do is like, it'll show, (laughs) it'll show a piece of like, Oh, maybe you see the bunny's eyes peeking through that hole. You're like, is that the bunny? And you turn the page and it's something completely, it's like some ants on a white backdrop. Uh, And then you see, you see these things. It's like, those gotta be bunny ears. And you turn the page and it's like a dragonfly's wings or whatever. Uh, But she loses her mind cackling because the adventure (laughs) of the book is like, oh, there's the bunny. That's gotta definitely be it. All right, let's turn that page and see if that's the, what the, oh my God, that's not the bunny. Are you kidding me? And like, she just loses her mind. And that's what three pigs is doing is like, yeah. You sit down and you go, the three little pigs, wait a second, what are those pigs doing? Where are they, They're leaving the it's... book. Why are we doing that? And you just get to talk to the kid and like have a funny time with him. And Art and Max is these two lizards in the desert painting mm-hmm. together and they're just talking back and forth. All of the words in the book are just the things they're sort of saying. But what's yeah. happening in the book is, uh, I forget which one is which, but one of the lizards is removing all of the color from the mm-hmm. other lizards body and eventually starts pulling apart the lines <laughs> of the yeah. illustration of the other and turns them into just like a, a jumble of things. And he has to recreate him. He has to rebuild the lizard. And so then it's like this yeah. crappy, scratchy little drawing <laughs> of a lizard. And he's like, this isn't, I don't think this is what I looked like. Can you please um, do a little bit more detail? And then like, by the time they're done, they've made this like crazy rainbow colored lizard out of it and mm-hmm. and it's just this like make it what you will make do what you want like have fun with it and i don't know it's it, they, they really inspire you to goof around with the book
1: yeah i mean uh and i think that it's a good metaphor that you just brought up even you could say that Wisner's whole style is just never showing you the rabbit right like that's kind of <laughs> right. the whole Right. That's his whole thing. It's just like you turn the page and you didn't like you didn't find the thing you were maybe Mm -hmm. looking for always, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's, I I think that's interesting that you brought up that, that, you know, it's probably what it's like one of those like finger puppet books almost, you know, but it's, but even that, you know, translated to this is, it's exactly like that. It's just, you'll turn the page and it'll be something completely new and unexpected for you and for your kid and for like these are highly recommended. I think for that age group now that I think about it. Cause at first I was sitting here over here and I was like, now this is for like, why
0: would a three-year-old like this? Yeah. yeah, (laughs)
1: But now I'm, now I'm like on board with the fact that it's like, oh yeah, you just make noises and point at the frogs and we're and like, you're going to have a great time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's so, yeah,
0: I I came away from reading these being like, oh, well that was clearly just sort of mediocre and fine. And I guess the, I guess the Caldecott standards used to be lower, but just like the, <laughs> it's it just lingers in your brain. Oh, the yeah. more you think about it, you're, it's like I I don't specifically think people need to like go out and get this book and like have it, but it's like go do it at the library. Like tell your library to to do one of these during story time, or like yeah. go read. It's like there there is something about that experience of like crack it open. And see where it goes. See where the experience takes your kid. I don't know because it's 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 pretty unpredictable, actually.
1: Couple things I wanted to bring up because I think the, that it's interesting. Uh, uh, Sector Seven actually uh, had its rights sold to Nickelodeon, and oh, really? Darren Aronofsky was supposed to <laughs> was supposed to direct a oh, Sector no. Seven movie. <laughs> yeah, I which would have. Pr- uh, almost objectively, been terrible, right? Like wow. it would have absolutely been bad. Who um, knows?
0: Yeah, what?
1: The? Yeah, who knows? But also, like, I mean, I mean, Aronofsky's pretty hit and miss, uh, sure. Uh, for well, and a, and a lot of reasons adapting <laughs> but, a
0: children's. But uh, yeah, I don't even know yeah. what that one Yeah. And would well that being. one I would
1: say of the of the ones we read, that mm-hmm. one's the most adaptable into like maybe Aronofsky's like whole style. Sure. Like, cla- Sector 7 with the clouds being like yeah. this like whole Cloud Corp thing going on. Yeah. Well, it could and, definitely and be even there.
0: outside of that too, eventually mm-hmm. they start spawning like the fish clouds and then it becomes yeah. now we got to go look back down on on the ground and see the people mm-hmm. being like, "Oh my god, the clouds are turning into <laughs> yeah. actual bears or whatever." Like it gets so so nuts. I could see that being a very Aronofsky kind of oh, uh, y- uh, thing. Yeah,
1: definitely. And then there was this other thing that I noticed at the bottom of Weisner's Wikipedia page. The Day the World Broke is a CD-ROM adventure game that he <laughs> did. Um, I watched some of it on YouTube. Somebody posted a video on YouTube, and uh-huh. there's only like 20 minutes of gameplay. But even that, just I'm just going to touch on this for a moment. That is as interesting as some of these books really and in a really weird way all of this is a point and click adventure puzzle narrative game wow but just the little bit i saw i was like there's some really interesting world building going on here it's very much in that 90s cd-rom style yeah Um, yeah. but you can tell you can actually kind of see some of uh weisner's
0: like you know, you can kind of see some of his, uh, yeah. drawing, like oh, the way man. that he does. I know, mean, so. what, this is 97. This is back mm-hmm. in time when computers could still be anything instead yeah. of, uh, the downfall of society, right? That, <laughs> we didn't consider that yet. We thought, we oh, it's consider full Reddit, of hope. So. <laughs> um, but it is interesting. The idea how much like edutainment, like computer games have fallen away. And obviously mm-hmm. like you, you got your math blasters and stuff, but there was a time where like this stuff this day the world broke yeah. style game that really is i mean just like is tuesday as a computer game where you could just click around it like i don't know wh- where do you get that kind of stuff anymore as a right as a kid i genu- I, I don't think it's gone i'm not trying to be pessimistic just here, different. but i wonder where it went and what 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 that's captured in these days i don't know Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously like nothing like this, because like I said, it's a a very Carmen Mm Sandiego-esque adventure, right? You're just clicking on stuff on your computer and like reading, but it's not for kids. This is not for kids. I I watched some of it and I
0: was like, okay, this isn't. It's, it's probably mo- it's more like, like a know, missed kind of game. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: it's. It, well, I mean, it's not necessarily not for kids, but it's definitely, you know, there's definitely some big words being I used. I see. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, anyways, I, I just wanted to point out that, like, I, I think that Wisner has a pretty good grasp on, on that sort of, like, absurdist style. Yeah even if it's for children or if it's not like in this case, you know, it's not really something that's made for anybody, but it's just this kind of thing that he did. And then like in the books, the fact that he can kind of abstract these very basic ideas into these elaborate plots uh, is uh, I think just a really good feather in his cap, especially since he's, you know, he doesn't use a ton of dialogue, you know, art and max is like you said, the most dialogue we see. And then, uh, the three pigs is basically just words on a page, you know, <laughs> right? that, that don't really mean anything behind what, you know, the pictures still mean more than, mm-hmm. than, than what the words mean. So uh, very, very interesting person. Uh, I would, uh, you know, going into it, I wasn't certain if I would want to read more. Or I know. See yeah. More, ditto. But
0: I think I do. I think I've come around to David Weissner. Yeah. Um, so uh, interested to check out more, interested to learn more too, about like I don't know, the shift in like 80s, 90s and early 2000s children's books. I feel like that's what we're sort of gaining. Uh, We're going to somewhat continue that trend next week. We want to do some more children's books by uh, also multi Caldecott winner Sophie Blackall. Uh, We're going to try to get a hold of at least her two Caldecott winners, Finding Winnie and Hello Lighthouse. But same story as this week. I'm going to whatever we can get a hold of at the library is uh, what we're going to do.
1: Which uh, what order would you rank these, Matt?
0: Ooh, okay. So you said you, you sat down I, I did and you do. ranked them. Um yeah. so I hadn't thought I hadn't been thinking about it at the time. I think I would put Art and Max at the bottom. Uh, because, oh, because interesting, really. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, Why? Um I just think it was it's almost too abstract of a concept for me. Yeah, it's where a it's lot. it's not the storytelling is more apparent and it's mm-hmm. just like that that one i can't imagine reading with a kid cuz it's like oh it's uh, the drawings messed up i guess i don't know that's how i feel about that one and three pigs like i actually didn't love the three pigs so that three those pigs. are those are my bottom yeah. two, uh, is okay. art max and three pigs and then probably mr waffles is hilarious to read and funny um but i'm i understand why the other three are like of this other quality i don't know i, I would maybe put sector 7 below mr waffles because Sector 7 is slightly less interesting to me cuz it goes on a little long is the big thing. It's to, we just do a lot a lot a lot of cloud stuff and yeah, I'm not sure how much of it on. kids would like totally understand. So, Sector 7, then Mr. Waffles, then Tuesday cuz Tuesday Tuesday's like about nothing but it's just funny to read. Yeah. Like it's just a funny goofy thing and then at the it's top good. at the tippy tippy top is Flotsam for for sure you're you're dead on
1: in your top two absolutely <laughs> flotsam the number i mean it's it flotsam i'm glad we didn't talk a ton about it in this episode yeah i'm glad we focused more on tuesday and the three pigs because flotsam's the real the real gem in here yeah um it is uh i think a tour de force in mm-hmm. to- storytelling by illustration it yeah. is absolutely his best book i would say <laughs> i mean it it's honestly that book is probably one of the five best books we've read on yeah, this yeah.
0: podcast well it's I, I as i was reading them in order i get to that one and it's towards the end but mm-hmm. it was like that's when the idea is connected of what these things yeah. it's like you, i'm reading tuesday and sector center like oh this is cute he's kind of just like it's just like fun paintings and they're a little bit wacky and whimsical and then i got to that and I was like whoa yeah i almost need to go back to those others and sort of reinterpret and reevaluate because of and, you know, how stark uh flotsam hits you
1: and me going in the opposite order i think it helped with the the other ones hitting even harder right, later. Like right. my second favorite was Tuesday. And then my third favorite was actually Art and Max. I okay. really liked Art and Max. Yeah. Uh, then the three pigs. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I know it's kind of a commentary on not wanting to do that story, <laughs> but it is still kind of that story in yeah, a way, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Mr. Waffles and then Sector Seven was my least favorite. Yeah.
0: yeah. Something about Sector Seven just sort of puts it towards the bottom, which is hilarious that it's the one that almost got a movie made after it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> that. That was the that was the thing I really wanted to talk about. I was like, this was my least favorite, and uh, you could have you could make a movie out of one of the other ones, yeah, probably. Right. right. But the, then again, maybe not. Sector Seven is kind of the most. I don't know. It is the most dystopian of them, you know,
0: (laughs) the HBO max original series.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're talking Aronofsky here. We're talking like this thing would probably, yeah, you could probably make some real weird stuff with that, but uh, overall great, great author, great, great stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love it. And, uh, it, it has made me reevaluate how I, uh, engage with story time at the library. So can't, can't, recommend david weisner enough everyone uh go go check it out read it with your kids and like i said next week sophie blackall we're gonna check out whatever those books are don't know anything about them yet haven't even looked at the covers or anything just we're (laughs) we're doing sort of a tour of caldecott winners right now
1: yeah i'm excited for those uh especially because uh right after that we have uh we have a long one we're reading oh yeah (laughs) that's true my goodness
0: uh yeah we have to so We've decided the continuation of our fantasy trend is I I was bringing up the show to like family and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the first thing somebody said when I, when I brought up the idea that we were doing fantasy books, they were like, well, have you done Aragon yet? And I was like, (laughs) oh God, you're right. Oh no, we have to do Aragon. I've never read, I've never read any of those books. I've never read it. I've always as a kid even i mean i don't they, i wasn't that young when they first started coming out i don't think but i just remember seeing them in, and being like that looks long no thanks like that was yeah. kind of my reaction 400 500 pages yeah. no thanks uh, yeah. I, wow the first one came out in 2002 yeah i yep. i don't know i should have probably been into it but that's going to be our next step on our fantasy road to pratchett uh, quest <laughs> is is Aragon by way of how do we reevaluate it in the shadow of Terry Pratchett? <laughs> I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for for Aragon. Actually, I I wasn't until you brought it up. So yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, everyone, love you. Goodbye now, and uh, put a little whimsy in your life. A little whimsy. Go to a hey, go to a museum and treat it like a storybook. That's your mission for this week. Bye bye. So sweet. <laughs>